Yo guys, it's the kid, 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 it's your main man here, Double H, Half to Thou Hope, and we are here for another episode of Womb. We obsess over movies, in case you don't know what that's about. So, for this one, I felt that it was probably right that we did something that was that I would consider a classic. And by that classic, I mean Hateful Eight. You know, um, and Hateful Eight is a a film where now obviously obviously before I really get into because obviously I want to introduce my guy my machine. I think with regards to Tarantino, a lot of debates um, happens with regards to who is or so what film is um, the best film of Tarantino. You know what is what is Tarantino's best best film, and many people look at. Um, Pulp Fiction. A lot of people say Inglourious Bastards, which I always I I, I disagree with, and I think Inglourious Bastards and maybe Reservoir Dogs are quite high. Although my personal is maybe Kill Bill Volume One. I I rarely see Hateful Eight on that list, and I've seen the film twice now. I saw it in the wait, did I see it in the cinema twice? I mean, basically, I saw it in the cinema. Um, in the 70 millimeter kind of showing, which was like, which is pretty much like the way in which you have to view it. So I watched it in there and it was amazing. And I think I then watched it again um, on Netflix and maybe we can get much more into this. I think a strong argument can be made that it is actually in fact, um, probably when you take everything into account objectively Tarantino's best ever film. So before we really go into detail, regards to Machine, what is your background with regards to Hateful Eight, how you found out about it, your excitement, and your thoughts before watching the film initially? Well, it's a Tarantino movie, so obviously I knew about it from multiple different sources before actually going to the movie theater. It's not like uh, I walked in cold with no understanding of what I was about to get into. So there was plenty of hype. Um, I just didn't... Uh, I didn't. I didn't buy into it because, uh, to be honest with you, I think that Tarantino, ever since, unlike you, because you just said that you loved uh, Kill Bill, unlike you, I didn't uh, think Kill Bill was all that, and I didn't think. In fact, I didn't think any of of Tarantino's films uh, were all that. They all had moments that were incredible, like these isolated set pieces that I that I think are uh, classics, but as complete products uh i felt uh, uh i felt uh, like they they were lacking so, 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 so actually but briefly what what was your issue with um kill bill then like what, I mean, what's it about kill bill that sort of turned you off uh what is it about kill bill that turned me off it just uh it it, it uh it was too it felt like an experiment more than anything else. It felt like he was trying too many things uh, at the same time and seeing what sticks. And it was overlong, pretentious in a sense. Um, I it was a revenge. It, it was a revenge flick that that, that could have been uh, like an hour, a good solid hour and a half. Well, no, no, I, mean, well, but I think for me, it was. See, if you're really into anime and manga, I think it was just a homage. But obviously, I don't want to get too off track. So let's just get back to a hit for it. So with regards to your... So, so 
you said you weren't really, I mean, you knew about it, but you weren't really that hyped before going off or you, you didn't really have high expectations before you watched the film? I had moderate expectations because, listen, it's Tarantino we're talking about and even movies uh, that are, you know, his relative duds, uh, Tarantino duds are still better than most of the stuff that you see out there, you know? Even Kill Bill, even though I'm not a massive fan of it, I, I, I can still appreciate the artistry that you see in, uh, in, in a lot of the the film it's it's just not my speed you know it's like we had like an entire live stream i think that was like two hours long or whatever where we were discussing the the merits of heat mm. uh and unfortunately that never made uh, the cut because of issues with my mic but uh i you know we could have a discussion uh of equal length about kill bill for me it's like a seven uh, at the most Hmm. Um, but uh, but it's not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not. I don't find it to be uh, all that. And I think that Hateful Eight is indeed all that. And 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 for me, Pulp Fiction remains Tarantino's best film, probably. But Hateful Eight is 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 there neck and neck. It's I, I rate it uh, above uh, Reservoir. So it's it's there's a, there's like a trinity for me, which is Pulp, Reservoir, and uh, Hateful Eight, and uh, and between Pulp Fiction and Hateful Eight, it's uh, it's a it's a close uh, it's a close race. Yeah, so I think basically for me is like obviously just getting into a Hateful Eight now. Before the film came out, obviously you must have known there's been of course a film of Fifiananda, which is um, the I think the script leaked out. Because it was basically one of the most, like everybody knew about the script and the scripts were sort of out there. And I think once the script leaked out, I believe he then did a reading. So he did like a public reading where the public could actually come and watch. And I think, um, so it was obviously Samuel Jackson was there, Kurt Russell was there, and a few others were there. And they just did like a public reading of the whole thing. And then people's reviews said, oh my gosh, this was amazing. Even if they weren't really acting or anything, just the public reading of it and everything was amazing. So I think... That obviously built up the hype. Now, 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 here's the key thing here. When I watched Django Unchained, my issue with Django Unchained was Tarantino was stuck between trying to make a slavery movie and a Western. And for me, it felt much more of a Western than a slavery movie. And I felt that, you know, um, 12 Years a Slave did a far better job on within, within the subject matter of slavery. So... Once he now decides to say, you know what, let me just make a flipping Western. And he came out and said, okay, hateful it, this is my Western. I was like, wow, at last. Because the some of the elements in Django Unchained, I remember there was one element, again, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Django Unchained, spoiler alert, like the scene where, um, you know, you see Don Johnson, and I think where I think Don, Don Johnson is about to be, be killed. How that is shot, I was like, bro, just make a Western. So I think when I actually saw that he was actually um, going to do Hateful It and it was just going to be a pure Western, that's just what really excited me. Um, and the, and I think basically the, the beauty of Hateful It is it's a Western, but I don't know whether I'm right to say it, it's like it's like a much more sophisticated Western. I mean, nothing, not, not to take away from the Sergio Leone films. I mean, what's it called? Few Dollars More is one of my favorite films of all time. Amazing, amazing mo mo movie. But it's almost similar to um, 
unforgivable. A fistful of, of dollars? No, no, no. A um, few dollars, dollars more. No, no, no. Fistful of dollars is a complete ripoff of your Jimbo. Complete ripoff. Uh. You know, like, and he didn't even cite your Jimbo. I think he, it is a listful ripoff of your Jimbo. But a few dollars more is, is way better. And it's a lot better than good, bad, and, and, and the good, bad, and, and the ugly. But my thing is, um, it's similar to Unforgiven, where it's like you were, this, this was much more of a sophisticated Western that was much more, that, that felt much more of a play rather than um, just like, you know, bam, 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 shoot, 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 everything. And I, totally I think- agree. I totally agree. This, this, I, I'm, super, I'm shocked that this hasn't made it to, to not Broadway, but like, you know, like the theater um, stage. Because it's it's the script is is it's a, it's a play, it's it's amazing. It's his best script yet, I think. It's his magnum opus uh, for me, and um, I'm sure. But it's but it's just it lends itself so well to the to to the stage, because it's all in one or two locations. You know, you, mm. you get the you get the stagecoach, and then you have uh, yeah, you have the the, 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 uh, the haberdashery. You have the haberdashery, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, and then obviously, yeah, then like, like if, if you ex, you have like a few exteriors, but really, it's really the main haberdashery and um, the um, cabin. Um, but so let's just obviously we can go over, but I want to let's let's just look at the actors now. Now, Kurt Russell for me is I think one of the most underrated, multi-talented actors ever, and because again, like I think yeah. Apart from Inglorious Bastards and Reservoir, well, actually, if you bought most Tarantino films I've seen in the cinema, and obviously I went to go and watch um, Death Proof in the cinema because I was like, my gosh, wow, Kurt Russell, you know, and Tarantino is going to be amazing. And okay, look, the film wasn't great, but Kurt Russell was great in the film. Everything else was a bit, well, it was just a miss, but Kurt Russell was, well, was great. So I was happy that sort of Kurt Russell was given another chance to work with Tarantino. And there are very few actors that would be able to play the role of Kurt Russell as well as he does because there's like a very there's like a playfulness and there's like an old school playfulness that Kurt Russell has that you can't teach, you know. Because obviously there are you know you can have the best acting talents in the world. You can you know do all the different acting technicalities. Um, Stanislavski and all these kinds of amazing techniques, but the essence and the soul and the aura of an actor is something that can't be replicated. And when you just look at how the character is written, and when you look at, especially like when you look at films like, um, oh gosh, what's what's the name of the film with John Carpenter? Um, yeah, uh, Escape from New York. No, 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 no. The the comedy, Jack oh. Burton. Oh, I love it, man. Big big trouble, little child. Yes, yes. You know, yes. Like, he was evoking that kind of chorus. So, so basically, speak on the performance of chorus and just um, how, how he sort of vibed with Tarantino on this film. Uh, uh, dude, uh, I think there's three masterclass performances in this movie. And that's uh, in this order. I think it's Jennifer Jason Lee, mm. number, number one. Superb. Uh, number two and very close, neck and neck, is your boy Sam Jackson. Mm. And right after is Kurt Russell, man. 
right after his Kurt Russell. Uh, and and the movie could just uh, exist just basically just on the strength of the, those performances alone, you know. But everybody else is is good to to very good. Uh, there's nobody that stands out as uh, as poor. Hmm. But yeah, Kurt Russell's up there, man. He's uh, I love Kurt Russell. He's he's he has such a magnetism about it, and 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 he. Um, I'll never forget. I think it's a big cinematic moment. Uh, that 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 uh, scene where where he's uh, where he's poisoned. That's the best poisoning mm. scene I've ever seen. It's so no, cool, man. Because no, you never no. think about it. When you think about like people being poisoned, you always you know you always see people like sort of choking and and passing off uh, to the side, you know, passing mm. away to. You just see them like no, uh, no, no, yeah, yeah, it's like passing out. You know, it's, it's actually it's like brutal. you're vomiting. You're vomiting guts, and it's actually like that. You know, that's that's what it is like to to be poisoned. That's the most and and that scene where he's like throwing up on Jennifer. But no, no, Dude, no. This is a, because it's I think, a roller coaster, man. This no, no, but I think because the key thing about his character is that his character is actually very is actually really stupid. You know, he's mm. really stupid and just very very one dimensional. Mm. But yeah, well, they all are. But they all no, are. no, no, no. But no, but but I think. Specifically, Corosso's character is extremely like straight down the barrel. That's what I that's the most basic kind of character. And I think another actor could would sort of make that a bit cheesy. Okay, for example, for example, let me throw this out. If DiCaprio was in that role, it would it, it wouldn't work. He'd act really well. It gave loads of efforts, and maybe this is a discussion for another day because I think DiCaprio is it, DiCaprio is slightly overrated. Um, I think he's but, over. I, I I agree with you that he's overrated uh, for sure, but it, it's the wrong time to have this discussion because oh, no, no, wrong time, wrong time, off, wrong time. It's straight off the back. It's straight off the back of his best performance of all time in, in Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Uh, so, like you know, we can give him a little credit for that at least. But they keep you know the issue with DiCaprio is that they keep. Casting him in these tough guy uh, oh, roles. Oh my! You, you literally. It's, it's, it's like if you actually went into my brain and just extracted. Because see, that's what I always say. Okay, again, quick diversion, but it's it basically it's actually to, to do with Tarantino. The, as you just said, the issue with DiCaprio is his face. Anybody will tell you that when you're a casting agent, you don't cast mainly on acting talent. You're, it is a combination of acting talents and what you look. Do you look visually right for the role? And can you evoke the right thing for the role? DiCaprio looks like a kid. He looks like a child. So when he acts yeah, like a tough guy, it doesn't work. But the yeah, dude, he's, a, he's, a man, he's, a man, he's a permanent man-child. And he got away with it in, in this new, last uh, role that he, that he played where he's uh, playing an actor. Because he's playing an actor, essentially. You know what I mean? So it, it it makes sense, like, even though he's playing, and he did play it better than he ever has, to be honest. You know, like the sort of gruff. Uh, he felt more manly in this last role than he ever has. But for example, in The Departed, where he's supposed to be like some tough, Dead gritty, walk. it's completely uh, different. Where 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 at one point he's like he's 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 fucking this like giant uh, mafioso dude up in the middle of a of a supermarket. Do you see? You remember that part? That scene. Where like he goes crazy and like, oh, yeah, 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 like yeah, 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 He just he whacks. He doesn't whack, but like he he, he just destroys this uh, really gruff, uh, big, uh, you know, physically imposing uh, mafioso. And I was like, man, there's no way that this guy's such a 
he's a puny dude. You know, he's a puny guy. And, oh, no, and no, he no. has like the voice of a, he's, a, he's got this nasally, like sort of permanent uh, man child voice that, you know, I, I couldn't buy him in the department, in, in, in the Revenant uh, uh, as well. You know, he was, it's a good uh, acting performance. But oh, no, 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 no. He, he got completely outacted by Tom Hardy in the film. But, but we see, no, but specific to our discussion here, do you know what DiCaprio's best role is of all time? Best performance of all time? Django Unchained. Do you know why that's his best performance of all time? He was he he is perfect for the role. What he looks spoiled, like and everything spoiled, was perfect. He's playing, he's playing a spoiled American aristocrat, basically. Perfect, and that Which is what I view him as. You know, like he he comes off as a spoiled brat, and it worked beautifully well in Django. But, but okay, boy, let's let's get back to um, um hateful it now. So um, Samuel L. Jackson. Now, I think you know. What an actor always dreams of, what an actor always dreams of is, can I find a director that knows my voice? Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, um, Robert De Niro, and uh, Martin Scorsese. You can argue maybe it's, it's really just starting up, um, Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. Like, can I find a director who really knows me? And I feel that Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson, it's like they come from the same, like, to you, but they, they come from, from just from the same psyche. They just like the way Samuel L. Jackson says Tarantino's dialogue is amazing. And I think he says Tarantino's dialogue better than anyone else, better than anyone else. Like I mean, when, if you look at Pulp Fiction, you look at um, Jackie Brown and this, just the way, because remember there's, because again, I've been an actor before and I know how tough it is to maintain a rhythm of a, of a large piece of dialogue. You know, and you know, it's 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 hard. You just have to get in rhythm. And Tarantino's dialogue, and he Tarantino even says himself that no, my dialogue is very, very specific, you know, and you have to get it right. And this is easily the most dialogue-heavy Tarantino film. And the way that he executes the dialogue, I just think it's it's flipping amazing. It's amazing, it's amazing. I was just watching it and and how like humorous and how funny it is, you know. Hmm. Um and how he delivers it uh I actually said three masterclass performances. I forgot Walton Goggins, man. You got to put Walton Goggins. I was you know what? I was trying to remember his name, especially because again, like I said, no, Walton Goggins was really good. Like for me, he's always he's always really good. But uh, but but he's really good. No, no, no. But I, no, no. I think this. I think this because obviously Django and Shane, he was pretty good. But I think this he really shone in this. He really shone in this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I keep telling you, you got to watch The Shield, which is the best uh, television. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. I, I keep telling watch. you, I've seen The Shield. No, no, but watch it uh, front to back, you know? Like, watch no, no, it trust, no, trust me. What's the guy? I, every time I see Walton Goggins, all I think of is Strike Team. Like, trust me. I know, I, <laughs> trust me. I know, I know The Shield very well. Okay. Right. Um, um, <clears throat> but, but, okay, but actually, no, but you mentioned her. Um, Wait, was that film Jennifer Jason Lee was in? Is it White Man's Burden or something? Or um... I, listen, it's I wouldn't say that her repertoire is the most exciting uh, of all time in terms yeah, of film, but she's an amazing actress. She's like one of the most slept-on actresses of all time. I was just like reviewing because uh, I was so impressed with this performance. Right, I was mm -hmm. in the theater, but I didn't have the 
the presence of mind to go uh, check her out immediately afterwards. But now, you know, watching it in the computer sitting in my office, it's a different deal. And I was like, man, this woman is, uh, I always knew that she was a great actress, but then I went to look at her body of work and, and she's so uh, diverse with her roles and so chameleonic. What you would think of a proper uh, she's like she's like the Daniel Day Lewis and Joaquin Phoenix of women. I would say you know she's up there with uh, Meryl Streep, but with the difference is that you know Meryl Streep really annoys me as a person, even though I respect her as an actress. Uh, and this one, you know, maybe because I don't know anything about her personally, uh, uh, not so much. But but just check out you know some of the other roles that she did, man. It's it's crazy. She's doing. I was watching this clip. Of, um, of a movie where she plays like this 1940s uh, dame, basically. And her accent is so spot on. You know, uh, he, he, hey, listen up, Johnny boy, you know, that kind of. Uh, mm. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, I think what is it for me? What, I'm always really impressed with any actor or actress by how much you can depart from roles you've done before, you know. And when you just look at just how nasty she is in this film, both with her accents, how she acts, and just her mannerism, I was like, this is amazing. As in, she really dug really deep into the world. Where like, there were points where I'm like, yeah, I know it's a film, but man, I want just, I want to, I want to slap this woman in the, in the in the face, man. I mean, this well, I mean, was yeah, a man. nasty, nasty creature. No, no, that's uh, that's absolutely what that's uh, what it's all about, man. That that. Uh... Uh, that sensation that you were left with I think, very specifically Tarantino's intention, you know, and then we're going to get into what I feel this movie represents metaphorically. Uh, but you know, that's just my own theory. Um, but, uh, and that plays into, you know, how annoying she is. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's a tremendous performance. It's, it's tough to say like, who takes number one because Sam Jackson is so amazing and oh, no, 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 no. Like- I, th- I think it's it's a great ensemble and, and even if we even go beyond and we even look at Walton Goggins because mm-hmm. I remember like Walton Goggins said that he really really loved even if it was a very small part he really really loved his time on Django Unchained and like and and, and like he was really hoping that he would actually get another chance to sort of uh, um um, be another in another Tarant Tarantino film, and I think that because even if he was, it was such a small role, he's it's it's it was a very memorable performance that he had in Django Unchained, which is why Tarantino was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to remember this dude and I'm going to use him in my next film. So when you now really saw him in this, basically, basically his performance in this is why I loved him so much in in The Shield. You know, as this was just like, like again, similar to Corosso, I don't know how many other actors could get the character as right as he did. Because when you, when you look at how impressed he was with Samuel L. Jackson with the with the letter, you know, and everything like that, and then just again, one of my favorite things when he realizes Samuel L. Jackson lied, <laughs> just just how that's completely crushes him and everything and everybody's like laughing everyone's laughing in his face and it's uh, there's a lot of humor in this it's it's strange how how often i found myself uh laughing out loud uh with this movie you know 
There's a lot, you know, from the way that Kurt Russell keeps, like, you know, like bitch slapping, uh, you know, the poor uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, towards the end, you're like, man, keep doing it, you know? Oh, no, no, yeah. She, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for all you Me Too people out there. She deserved it. Okay. But, dude, but that's, that's, I've, you know, that scene where like he gets the, the slop that they're eating that's super disgusting, uh, which is the stew, you know? Mm. And then there's one point where he's like eating the stew and she gets out of line with something and he throws the stew in her face. Actually, we are forgetting <laughs> someone. Good if someone, Tim Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth is there, but you know, I don't think he's. Uh, I think he's slightly overrated, to be honest with you. But uh, but yeah, he's, he does a good job. No, 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 no. For, for me, I thought that even if it was sort of like very, very heightened, and, and and it was, I think that was intentional. Maybe Tarantino wanted that, not wanted that performance as in I want a very extreme heightened version of this kind of like you know old school English dude and everything. So, and another thing was cool. Now, let me ask you this: in my view. I think Channing Tatum is a crap actor, completely not a crap. You know, um, I just think that he's chosen the wrong vocation, and he only has a career because of his face. Similar to Taylor Kitsch. I think you're being harsh, man. You're being harsh. He's, he, I, has, no, he has he has he has a space to to sort of live in, you know. And I think he, uh, for instance, in Twenty One Jump Street, he was amazing. I, he's perfectly no, cast. No, 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 and... You see, I was see see that's where I was about to go to. So before. 21 Jump Street and Hateful It. I was like, this guy is garbage. This guy is crap. Even in, in Foxcatcher, I didn't think he was that good in Foxcatcher. You know, I thought Mark Ruff, Ruffalo and um, Office Dude were, were the stars of the show. But then when I saw 21 Jump Street, I was like, oh, comedy. That's your forte. You you have a natural um, um, affiliation with comedy. Like, 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 like this is your go-to as in this, this is your, you have a knack for comedy. So yeah, he, understand, to this. He, he understands uh, timing uh, very well. You know, it's not, not everybody can pull that off, man. He's a, nope. he's a very good, uh, that's, that, that's smart comedian. Timing yeah. can't, can't be taught. But you see yeah. in hateful late, I said to myself that give him the right director, the right role. He can be useful. And I thought that, again, similar to Di DiCaprio, although DiCaprio is a much better actor, I think he was it was the right role for him in a dramatic film. So given the right kind of role and everything, the role just worked. So obviously once he was, because even when, when I heard Channing Tatum was cast, I was like, oh my God, Tarantino, you have all these amazing actors and you throw in Channing Tatum, what the hell? But then when you actually see the performance he gave, very small, but it was on point, on point. Well, I think it's a, it's a good casting call because you want somebody uh, to be like sort of a if you if you cast a pretty boy to 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 for that role, it's perfect because he it's somebody that you know is going to be a killing bastard, right? Uh, but it's but but there's some kind of like cognitive dissonance because you keep looking at him and he just seems like your your average uh, you know salt of the earth uh, pretty boy American. You know, and you're like, surely he's not. And then he shoots that, uh, you know, like uh, the the owner of the Abadashri uh, in the face, uh, like a cold blooded killer. And that that just that one second of him shooting her, and uh, and she, and uh, it, it just it, it's it it works better because of of that cognitive dissonance that I'm that I just mentioned. Yeah. 
Um, so this is so now thinking about just like you know the general kind of themes, you know, about about this film. So, I mean, when I look at like the film as a whole, and you know, you compare this to um, oh, but before we even get there, um, Ennio Morricone, the score was great, really nice. good soundtrack, really good. good Not and 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 usually I know that Tarantino gets praised for his soundtracks. Uh, but I, I usually I tend to think that they're a little bit uh, pretentious in the wait, sense wait, that they try to call attention to themselves. And let me tell you this. Let me, let me tell you this. Like, wait, sorry, but very like I, out of preference, I don't like soundtracks in film. I don't like contemporary music or just known music in film. I prefer scores, original scores. I always prefer original scores. So I've never really cared for soundtracks. I tend to have that preference as well. They can be used, you know, like soundtracks uh, can be used very, you know, I'm thinking of, for instance, Ghost World as a tremendous uh, soundtrack. I don't know if you've ever watched that movie. You should watch it. Oh, no, no. I've, or, wait, wait, wait. Who, who, who acts in it? Because I've heard uh, about it. Thor Birch and, uh, and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Okay, okay. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Go look at I mean, it's amazing, man. It's, it's one of the classics for me. But, um... But yeah, you can you, you can have movies like that, or for instance, uh, Gross Point Blank is an amazing soundtrack as well. But yeah, you know, typically, I'm much more of a, an original score type of guy, and Tarantino tends to go the opposite way. He tends to like be a little pretentious and and put and, and put like. Uh, I remember in Kill Bill specifically, I got really annoyed with the. You know, um, but with this, it's it's just a solid. Uh, he does have like an actual original, uh, not not an original, but like a, a a song. Yeah, he does use a couple of songs in the in, in the movie, but they're done in a very, um, very uh, organic sort of way. You know, they 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 fit the film, mm. whereas his other. Uh, tracks sort of call attention to themselves, um, and then and uh, uh, Morricone's uh, original um, score is 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 great, man. Do, 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 do. Really, really nice. Oh no, no, really no, really, no, 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 because because even if it's repetitive, it's repetitive in a good way. It's you know what? It's similar to because um, I I think he did the score for the thing. I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think he did the score for the thing, the one with Corosso. And again, great, repetitive, but repetitive in the, in the right way. Um, so thinking about just hate footage just as a whole and where it stands amongst Tarantino's other films. Because for me, I think whenever I watch a film the second time, that is what crystallizes it for, for, for me. You know? like the first time I'm just sort of like taking it in. The second, third, fourth time is when I'm really like the... Um, themes and everything are really resonates with me a lot more. So, and if it sticks with me a second, third time, then I know that okay, this is a, a quality film. But I think the thing with Hateful Eight is I feel that it's you have to look at the length of the film, the length of the film, the density of the film, especially with regards to the dialogue and how. Now, look, the film isn't saying. Isn't really giving you any this huge massive political messages, and I, and I despise those films that are saying, yeah, I mean, this this is my message about this and that's no 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 no, it's just presenting a story, 
a very exciting story that builds amazingly well and is extremely well constructed. But I do think that it's very political, metaphorically. If you look at the symbolism, at least my interpretation of it, I mm. think it's very political. But you well, know, we can get into that a little later, a little uh, further. Okay, later. okay, no, no, no. But I think, like, obviously, like, as as a whole, I just feel that um, it's like because oh, because and I just think so because when I work with the film after two, the two watches what's themes resonate with me. I think obviously 100%, you have to talk about the racism there, you know, and the themes of racism specifically to Samuel L. Jackson's character and how, especially, and, and again, one of the key moments in the film is what Samuel L. Jackson's character does with um, um, Bruce, Bruce Dent's song, you know, and how that gets played out. You know, again, that's for me, that's, that was just flipping extreme, you know. Um, and because with what with with what I sorry, tell me again, Bruce what? No no, in, in, hey, obviously you know who Bruce Bruce Dern is. Well, a general whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, like the like the old cranky guy who sits in. The, yeah, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's a, such an amazing scene, man. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah because just that whole how... monologue. That monologue is so amazing, and 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 uh, Sam Jackson sold it so perfectly, you know. And I got my big black pecker out. No, no, no. It's, it's so funny, but at the same time, you know. And, and I think this is where we could even come and talk about, um, again, a criticism of Tarantino with regards to, um, and something that Samuel Jackson has, has come out and say with regards to the use of the N-word and everything. And, you see, I'm conflicted here. You know, I'm conflicted here because every time I'm watching a Tarantino film, specifically this film and um, Pulp Fiction, every time like the N word is said, I'm like, oh my gosh, a white guy is writing this. I'm like, eh. but at the same time, I'm like, this is art, and he is writing at a, at a specific time when that word was used willy nilly and everything. But then, but it's like as Samuel L. Jackson said, pretty much. Especially, um, like Elion in his career, the best roles he was given and he had were from Tarantino. And when you look at his character in Jackie Brown, his character in Pulp Fiction, his character in Hateful Eight, these aren't these dumb, stupid, black, stereotypical characters. These are just characters who are smart and are very, very specific. So, yeah, and usually, and I'll tell you something. Usually, they're the most badass characters in in, in his film, in his films. I mean, if you think about like who's the most badass guy in Pulp Fiction, it's uh, Sam Jackson's character. Who's the most badass guy in uh, in uh, Hateful Eight? It's Sam Jackson's character. No, no, but but, yeah? but but I think even beyond just being like the badass and everything, I think these are just very well drawn characters. That's a key thing. I think as an actor, obviously, it's cool to be a badass and everything, but I think. As an actor, you kind of crave well-written, complex, nuanced, multi-layered characters. And no, so no, these characters are. no, no. But what I mean is, like, if if uh, if if there's, uh, I don't know, if uh, Tarantino's liberal use of the N-word is um, is controversial because there's, if if you think he's trying to demean, I don't know, if, I don't know what the dude. The truth is that the character, as you were saying, the characters that 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 he uses 
uh, that are typically, I don't feel like his characters are racist is basically what I'm trying to say, you know? I don't think he's coming from a racist standpoint. See, the thing that about Tarantino here is, because look, I'm a huge massive Tarantino fan. And I think as a black guy, I will always, I will always feel a little uneasy with a white guy saying that word or even writing that word or anything. I always feel uneasy, but knowing Tarantino, because I was watching an, an, an interview with him where he said um, basically his um, his mother used to date a lot of black guys and he would basically go to watch all these black exploitation films with the black boyfriends that his uh, mother dated. So he really was ingratiated into the kind of black psyche based on just how um, how close he was to these boyfriends that his mother would, would, would date. And when you just see how he talks and and just how he sort of comes across and presents himself. The way that he's writing, 100%, he ain't racist. Now, there are times where like, okay, well, you shouldn't have really said that. And, but the key thing is that there are racist people, okay, and there are people who, okay, maybe you shouldn't say that word and, and, and everything like that. But I think the, uh, the, the bottom line, though, is it's still for the sake of art. That's the I will say, the key I, I will say this. You know, the most uncomfortable laughter that I ever experienced in a movie theater was in Django Unchained when the characters, uh, one of the characters says, oh, it's an N-word on a on a horse. Uh, what's an N-word oh. doing on a horse? Oh, oh, and, oh, Steven. Yeah, Sorry. I don't know. But like that, uh, people had like sort of like a restrained laugh. Like, should we, you know, it's funny, but should mm. we laugh at this? You know what I mean? Like, uh, no, 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 it's, it's most, one of those, uh, as you know, like it was like the suppressed laughter that uh, that only made people like want to laugh more. You know, it was it was a weird uh, thing. Yeah, but actually, you know what? I want to actually even because again, um, you sort of alluded to it. So, what do you feel are the themes of hateful it or the themes or the kind of message, whether subliminal or not, that Tarantino is trying to sort of. Um, but you're you're going to think I'm reaching. I, you're going to think I'm reaching and, and really going uh, out there with the, the political element, but I think it's about the sort of uh, collapse of America via identity politics and, and, the, and, 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 and the fighting for identity and all that. And in the end, I think uh, uh, the message is that even uh, the racism that exists in America uh, can get behind and align itself, and, and you know, leave it to uh, leave the racism to the side because the one thing, the one enemy, the biggest enemy is is feminism, and that's what I think. It, like Jennifer Jason Lee's uh, character represents is this sort of hysterical brand of feminism, and uh, and then in the end, it almost becomes a buddy comedy between uh, uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Walton Goggins' character. And they represent obviously white and black American, the racial tension that exists, uh, which is, you know, in the country. Uh, but in the end, they both unite against the scourge that is feminism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is, that's, you know? that's really interesting because again, it's like, oh, I mean, look, man, you know what, let's, you know what, you know what, let's go deep. Let's, let's, let's go, let's go, because you, you opened up a can of worms right now. Okay. okay? You open up the kind of ones right now, and let's, I mean, look, let's just go right in there. I think, you know, um, 
when this film was sort of re released, I think a, I, I had some issues, or rather not, not some issues, there were some misgivings with how Jennifer Jason Lee was treated in, in the film. And I felt that it was actually maybe a bit excessive with the way that she was beaten up, slapped, punched, moved over and everything. And I, and I do feel that there is definitely this rise of white women. Because, you know, there are two brands of feminism. There is the feminism that I believe in, which is that you know, women should try and actually um, get um, equal pay to men if they are doing just as much work and working just as hard and just as valuable as women and everything, 100%. And women do definitely need to be given much, much more rights, 100%. But then there's white woman feminism. And I think white women feminism is what we're seeing in modern feminism right now. And I think it is actually very problematic and very dangerous because white women want to take over the, the entertainment industry. And just as you're alluding to, like Jennifer Jason Lee's character is almost quintessential to the dangers of what white women can do, which is they're very, very crafty. And they are very good at manipulation and using different pieces to get what they want, you know. And it was because I remember watching it for, for the first time, and I was like, "Oh my god, is she actually going to get into Walton Goggins' head?" Because Walton Goggins was, if his character was very impressionable, and I was like, "Oh my god, if he's actually going to sort of betray Sam Jackson, um, that that have just crushed me. That have just, that have just completely crushed me." So, um. Maybe you're onto something there, you know, the threat of the, of the white woman. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that. And then the, you have the Mexican as well. And uh, uh, I think I think the oh, cabin. He was really good. He was really I, good. Think, I liked I his character. Oh, man, I liked his character. I don't even know who he is, but he's, he's amazing. And he brings it down to like, he's not afraid to like do the the, the stereotypical, hey, ching, you know, like, uh, hey, listen to me. I, I'm Mexican, you know. <laughs> But, it's, but he does it in a funny way, you know. Um, I don't know who the actor is. I gotta uh, look him up. No, no, I'm looking to but but, uh, but uh, you know, there's a certain uh, animosity between the African American element in uh, in America. Wait, so you say he's and, called, yeah, um, Damien Bashir, Damien yeah. Bashir, Bob, and the Hispanics. Uh, there's there's sort of like a tension between uh, uh, those uh, those two groups. And uh, and I think that's the, the Tarantino sort of uh, touches on that a little bit, and then um, and then what else? There's I guess the the British guy sort of represents old uh, you know the old empire, Europe, the, the the colonial influence yeah. uh, still present in in America, um, which is uh, uh, what what else is there? What else do you have? I think I think Kurt Russell. To be honest with you, I think Kurt Russell represents, you know, machismo, uh, the old school. That's actually like I was just about the old school, basically like, like the old school old, Western patri era, old like John Wayne, patriarchal values. You know what I mean? That's uh, so he's out. He's out of the picture. Uh, he gets killed by the feminist <laughs> so that's so it's uh it, it, it's for me it's like a commentary on modern america man he uses this the western template to, to metaphorically delve deep into into the social the current social fabric of uh of america and how divided it is 
and then he puts his own political leanings, uh, inserts it into into the film by saying, you know, there's a lot of tensions between everybody, but the thing that I really despise is this feminist bullshit. <laughs> I think that's the, the the final thesis of the movie, and it extends onward into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you watch it, uh, if you look for, for that metaphorical, uh, no, no, I mean, but also as well, I think also um, Bruce Dent's character as well. I think that's is showing the the beginning of the end of that's American, basically the the South, you know. The South, like yeah, I mean that's a decrepit. It's the fall of the South. It's a decrepit. It's like the old time conservative that mm. you know it, it just has no, 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 no space uh, in modern uh, America anymore. That's that's a thing of the past. You know what I mean? It's still out there in certain parts, but it's decrepit and old and can barely move. You know, that's why <laughs> Sam Jackson offs him. It's like what well, you know. Welcome to the twenty first century, bitch. No, no, but, no, and that's why it's such a long, drawn-out sort of deal. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I mean, but, but I think as well, like, I think, um, again, the beauty about the film is, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the fall of this, the this, the that's, the, the oldest. There is, and I think and I think that's the beauty of the film, there isn't a heroic figure in the kind of um, archetypal sense of the hero. There isn't like a Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Of this film, they're just no, there's, no, there's no good guys. There's no good guys. Yeah, they're no good guys in this film because you could argue that you know the major Marquis, you know Sam Jackson's character, he's like the hero sort of, and Walton Goggins' character is a hero sort of, but not really because they're also sort of like edgy as well. And basically, there is, and I think it's almost like real life. There isn't this kind of, you know, angelic. No, I'm not, just here doing good, and and I'm here to save everyone, and, and I do nothing bad. No, even flipping Sam Jackson's character, he's done some bad stuff as well. Some of them justified. You, you could, you could, if you were just watching the film, you could sort of align yourself with Sam Jackson, right? Or maybe even align yourself with the, the Walton Goggins character. But via exposition in the stagecoach on the way to the Abadashri. And and it's really tough for like movies to get exposition right, but but the dialogue is so good that Tarantino nailed it. You get sort of like a background on each of these characters, and you realize that on one side you have Goggins, who's a major like racist, you know. Mm. He, he really he really like uh, his whole thing was uh, uh, you know ending the racial equality basically, you know, and fighting against it. And on uh, Sam Jackson's side, he wasn't—he's uh, uh, sort of like a self-serving sort of dude that—that's a liar. You know, he carries around the 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 the, the Abraham Lincoln letter to to sort of uh, dupe people into you know giving him uh, into lending him credibility. But he also killed, I think, forty-seven innocent people. He, you know, he burned them up or something in some. Uh, and and uh, you remember this man? Because I just yeah. I I'm fresh off of watching the film, so mm. I have these things present in my mind. You, I, you, it's been a while for you, but like he was uh, <clears throat> he was imprisoned in some fort, uh, and and in order to bust out, he basically torched the place, and you know, 47 mm. innocent uh, people on his from his own side uh, died, you know, and uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, whatever. So this is what, where, who, Bruce Dent's character or Sam 
No, Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Bruce Stern was just he 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 was a Confederate general, right? Mm. Yeah, which is uh, you know it's uh, there's yeah, general in itself. Um, so actually, you know what? You 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 touch upon something that I want to even get into exposition. Um, and you see, I know the answer to 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 this, and I want to know whether you know the answer to 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 this exposition. And I say that how is it that Tarantino's exposition works so well? And Chris Nolan's exposition works so poorly because I think you know there are both very well accomplished writers, you know, really good good writers. But Nolan's exposition sounds very pre pretentious and takes you out of the film, whereas Tarantino's exposition seems to just work very well. Now, like I'll give you like my thing about why I think it works differently. It's twofold. I think first. I think, firstly, Tarantino writes dialogue the way people speak. So there is a much more authentic, realistic rhythm to what they're saying. So even if it's a long-winded thing... I think it's, it's a height, but it's a heightened... It feels like a believable Shakespeare almost. That, you know let what me mean? see. It's like this. It's, it's a balance. It's a mixture of this is how people really talk, but I'm adding a bit of spice into it to make it entertaining. Yeah, and, there's a musicality. And, and, and give it some, some, some spice. You there's know? a musicality to it. There's a certain yeah. rhythm and a certain cadence. That's, 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 that's the cadence. So, so, so you're actually, it's almost like you're listening to music. So you're yeah, actually yeah, enjoying exactly. it as, as it happens. So, but I think, but the issue with Nolan is there is a lack of rhythm there. There is, there is no musicality there. And it's, it feels as if Nolan is saying those words, not the character. That's the thing. Well, but it's also, I'll tell you another thing. And this is really, it gets to the heart of things, I think. You do exposition, you can do exposition to lay out character history, as, as Tarantino does here, mm. right? And it enriches the character because all of a sudden you have, uh, you know, a character past... Uh, to 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 work with and, and and there's a lot of elements that you can draw from in terms of uh, establishing his personality and all of that. But that's you know laying out character history. That it's it's already a tough thing to 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 address and to get near because exposition is always an iffy sort of thing, and it must be approached uh, with with great care, unless it be uh, you know over overly uh, pedantic. Uh, but when Nolan uses uh, exposition, he doesn't do it to flesh out characters. He does it to nail, uh, to hammer themes mm. over audiences' heads. Things, themes by their very nature should be subsumed. They should be within the narrative. It, sh should be it, sh it should be blended into the narrative, into things no, so subliminal. They should be subtextual. They should be mm. underneath the text. It's not something you can't tell the audience. Hey, by the way, this is what you should think about this character. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? This is what you. This is what this movie is about. By mm -hmm. the way, these are the themes, and this is what Nolan does all the time. No, no, and no, no, people, I, 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 they're not that smart. Audiences aren't that smart. They get impressed with it, and they go, "Oh, these are some really big ideas." There we go. There we go. No, no, no. Because uh, I think the and I think basically put it this. I think I would argue, and people. I know hardcore Nolan fans will hate me for saying this. 
I think it is very lazy writing if you're putting your themes into the mouths of your characters. That's just lazy because it's like, oh, okay, that's what it's about because um, character A said so. But it is far more difficult if within your film, the meaning of the film is peppered through the entirety of the film. Maybe it's that one scene there. It's that word that was said. It's that movement there. It's that transition from that scene. It's, it's that scene connected to that scene. So, and I think in, in, in Hateful Eight, or in, in most in Tarantino's films, the characters just say what their characters are supposed to say. So there is a consistency with what comes out of their mouths based on how he has drawn these characters and, and what he wants his characters to be. But with regards to whatever say, the theme is, sorry, it's, it's within the film. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Like another identity group that I think is represented in uh, in uh, Hateful Eight, which I forgot to mention, is Joe Gage, who I think represents uh, okay. homosexual. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Michael Matson. Michael Matson, yeah, yeah. So that's another. That's another identity group that I think is represented in uh, in um, Hateful Eight. How? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, just, I mean, how? Well, just just look at him and his mannerisms and the way that he dresses, and it's something that you can sort of uh, you know look into. I mean, oh, no, 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 yeah, no. I mean, again, like I mean, obviously, guys, you know, um, you know, in the comments and everything, you know, just tell me whether you, you think that's no, no, but no, that, no, that is interesting. That is interesting. So let's just sort of round it all the way through with regards to just hateful eight. Um, why you think the film is so good, and specifically, um, you know, uh, where it stands within Tarantino's film. So now, like, let me, I'll, I'll kick, 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 kick things off. Um, I think that the beauty of this film is that it feels like a play. And I think that it is a great, maybe the word is antithesis to the Western that you're used to. Like, the Western that you're used to is you know, action, that's the, the typical villain, that's the typical um, antagonist, that's a typical protagonist, this is the shootouts, this is the face-off, this is the saloon scene, this is the, the bar scene, so on and so forth. I think it's a, it's something fresh that has been done with, with Tarantino, where like, yeah, it is a Western, but it's much more like, like a play, and it's much more of a character study, and it's an ensemble character study. And the way and how the, the way that the plot is um, put to, together, how gradual things come together, how you're like, okay, what's happening, what's happening? And, and all the pieces slowly, slowly come to, to, together beautifully and comes over to an amazing, amazing ending. I just think it's great. And I think it is very much needed within the Western genre, which people sometimes can look down upon and say, oh, okay, oh, it's, it's a Western, blah, 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 blah. No. Like the Western is an amazing genre where you can actually do some amazing films in that genre, unforgiving. Um, and with, with regards to where it's um, ranks within um, Tarantino's films, you see, I think I've got a personal list and then an objective list. But I think objectively, objectively speaking, objectively speaking, you could make a strong argument that this is this is his best film, that this is his masterpiece. Because I still feel like 
you know, the Omothoman bits in um, Pulp Fiction are a bit, eh, you know, in, in and out and everything. And you've got, to, you've got to look at Kill Bill as one whole film. Volume one is amazing. Volume two, I think, is better w when you're watching, but I think volume one is much better than volume two. And Inglourious Bastards is very well done, but I just think that the filmmaking, the writing, the direction, the acting, and just how the whole picture is put together and hits for it, I just think is on a much higher level to the rest of his films. So I just think, I mean, personally, my favorite Tarantino film is Kill Bill Volume 1. But I think, objectively speaking, I think this is his best film. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, it's between this and Pulp. I think this is the most, probably the most sophisticated film of his. And as a script, I think it can live uh, as a play, actually, like up there with uh, Tennessee Williams or uh, Arthur Miller uh, mm. play, you know. Um, and, and I'm shocked that it hasn't made it to the to the stage yet. Um, but yeah, I think it's the most. It's it's. I think it's really helped by the fact that it's it's contained in one major. Um, location, you know, it's like it's the haberdashery, and that's it. That's that's where most the bulk of the film is contained, and it's helped by that because all all the other uh, modern Tarantino films that I can think of, apart from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I I really enjoyed, uh, the thing that they feel like more like a collection of set pieces rather than movies themselves. You know what I mean? When I think about um, that World War II movie you mentioned uh, just now. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. I can't think of a movie. The only thing I think of is the, that opening sequence with Christopher Waltz, where the little girl is hiding uh, mm. underneath the, you know, the the you know the wooden planks, and uh, and that poker scene with uh, with what's his name. Uh, you know those two scenes. Everything else is like forgettable to me. And uh, with Django and Shane, the only thing I can think of is that DiCaprio scene where he cuts his own hand mm. and he's having that. You know? You remember? Oh, yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That big monologue um, where you realize this guy's really sort of a monster. Yeah. Um, it's a great scene. And, and everything else is sort of, at least in my mind, is sort of faded into the ether. Uh, but this one is a memorable movie. It's just a... You know, once you start, first of all, in terms of cinematography, and I'm not a cinematography buff at all. I don't, you know, whack off to how good pictures look. No, no, no. But this Trust one me. Is, watch, watch Terrence Malick films or Kubrick films, then you will appreciate. Like, those are the best guys at cinematography. Then you will yeah, appreciate I, it. I, I appreciate it. Of course, I appreciate it. But it's not something I put up there as like my uh, the, oh, yeah, the sure. be all and end all. You know. Sure. And this one is the best shot of all Tarantino films, I feel. Um, and uh, and then it's probably one of his. It's probably his best script. It's his most. It's where he gets to like uh, flex his uh, muscles the most. You know, mm. it's the most script heavy film of his. Oh yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's an actor's dream, man. Whoever got cast in this must you know if you're a good actor and you like uh, uh, stretching your own. Uh, flexing your own muscles then then this is the dream script and i think uh guys like um like sam jackson really uh took it by uh, you know the 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 late what do you call it uh, 
they really grab seized the, 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 the moment and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. He he made the best of it. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. I mean, it's it's up there. I think it's shockingly underrated because when people talk about their yeah, favorite uh, Tarantino films, they never put this up there. And uh, I think as time goes by, they're gonna it's gonna come back to its uh, proper position. You know, people like us are gonna really give it the credit that it's due. Do you know what? Do you know what I, I think it is? I think the I think the length. I think puts a lot of people off, and I feel that when it's, you know, it's you see, it's it's a weird thing. You see, people when you think of Coppola, you're like, all right, I'm gonna give him three hours, two two and a half hours for that Godfather two. Oh yeah, for the um, special cuts of um, um, oh gosh, what's what's it called? Apocalypse Now. Yeah, two and a half hours. But when it's like a Tarantino, you're like, no, 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 no. He's much more of a to our kind of guy, yeah, man, he's much more about, you know, the whole um, Kill Bill, um, Pulp Fiction and everything. And I think the, that's why it's going to be about time. I think the sophistication of Hateful It and just how more mature it was that his other films is what maybe people weren't really prepared for. Because, again, as you said, when people talk about Tarantino films, again, I mean, maybe this is this is a discussion for an, a, another time. I really, really, really dislike Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's his worst film. But that's a discussion really? for another. Day. Yeah, I really didn't. I, I really didn't like the film. But discussion for another day. But um, yeah, I do think that's it. Like when all is said and done, I think in a time, specifically when people revisit it, because when I watched it the second time, it was better. And I remember when I watched it the second time. And you get halfway through, like, oh my gosh, this is really good. It's like there's there's so much dialogue. I've only watched half an hour. There's still so much to go, but I'm really invested in this. And I think, see, that is the quality of an amazing writer and an amazing filmmaker, where you can make an extremely long film and there is not a single. Do you know how crazy it is? There is not a single moment where you are bored in the film. There is not a single down moment or a single slow moment. That's crazy. For a film of this length, where every single minute of the film is entertaining and engrossing, so, one, yeah. there, there is one scene that, in comparison with the rest of the film, I thought uh, dragged a little bit, which is the when it stops to do to go back, you know, that where they go back and showed, and this is what happened, you know, where like Channing Tatum shows up. I think. Oh uh, no, no, no! I, I liked that. I liked I, that. I didn't, no, no, that I didn't cool. like it, but it did. It didn't have the same sort of urgency as, as the rest of the film, and they stop it in a very crucial moment where you. Oh, 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 where, oh, where Sam Jackson. Is that where. where Sam um, Jackson, yeah, Sam Jackson. Tarantino does the voiceover. Is that where, where Tarantino does the, the voiceover? Yeah, that's super weird. That's another thing I wanted to mention, which is so Tarantino, where you don't hear <laughs> a voiceover. You don't hear a voiceover for like two hours. And then all of a sudden, he just inserts a voiceover like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, and then realize, oh, shit, this is Tar it's Tarantino himself. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a very Tarantino esque, uh, uh, you know, like thing to do. But yeah, uh, the, the 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 part that I thought was the weakest of the film is where he goes back to explain how the gang uh, got to where they got. You know, hmm. because you were, I was really invested in. Uh, because this is, uh, remember, this is straight off, uh, if, if I recall correctly, this is straight off of the Sam Jackson monologue where he just shot the general, right? Oh, yeah. 
and he's about to shoot. Oh no, sorry. And he's about to shoot. What you know? He has those the, the the gang up against the wall, basically, and he's about to shoot one of them, right? Yeah. And and then Channing Tatum oh, yeah, 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 yeah. from underneath the floor, which is apparently is a motif that uh, Tarantino likes people hiding uh, underneath the floors, like shoots uh, shoots him in the nuts. And you really want to know, like, oh shit, like what happens? And then he he, he stops it abruptly to go. And this is what happened but, but prior to all of this. This is how we came to this situation, and uh, and it dragged a little bit for me because you know I didn't I didn't need to know like who the owner of the Abadashri was or that whole scene felt a little stinted. Uh, for, oh, no, 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 for, for me, like I mean, it would have maybe been flowed better if he didn't have that, but I don't think that it's messed with the pace of the film, and I think that's changing pace and feel with the voiceover and completely new characters coming in and you going back in time. I just think it just, it added more meat into the film. And, and, and just, it just felt, just made the film a bit more dynamic. And, and see for me, I like when people do that because it's more, it's, it's, it's risky. Not that it's risky. It's just, yeah, but, it's, but it's, it's, it's inventive. It's inventive. It's inventive. Yeah, and, and I like that. I agree with you, but, uh, typically, but but this is the thing. This is this would have been if you think about it. If you didn't have that sort of time jump, uh, you know that flashback basically, which is what it is uh, in the movie, it would have been the most by the numbers film. Not not by the numbers, but the most conventional film in Tarantino's oeuvre. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I felt like he, he he looked at he was in the cutting room uh, and he <laughs> yeah. felt like wait a minute this, I, I don't want to make this just like a, like a movie like any any other movie I gotta like you know do a, a little bit of a Tarantino thing and so he, he inserted that into the into the film because you don't you don't really need it I I feel like you could uh, you could live without it I I think I don't know hmm. okay well. That is all here for us with Hateful Late. So remember, guys, um, if you want us to um, break down any other film, hit us up in the comments below. Remember to like, remember to sub subscribe and everything and everything to the channel and everything. But um, yeah, if you want us to, any films that you want us to, to, to get into or to dissect, put in your suggestions in there. Just give us, give us comments on what you agree with, disagree with, with regards to Hateful Late. And then obviously your boy HHN, uh, Mr. Machine will be back for the next film, man. So, Machine, thank you very much for being aboard this thank episode. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right. Peace.